BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steyer Blondie. This is Roland Olsabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Just like Ska, Hardcore is currently having a renaissance. One of the best new hardcore bands is from Catbite's hometown, Philadelphia. I'm talking about Soul Glow, of course. Their record, Diaspora Problems, was one of the best albums of 2022. An absolutely phenomenal record. Today we speak to their bass player, Gigi Guerra, and we learn the answer to a very important question. Does Soul Glow like ska? Hardcore for the long time gets the bad rap of being just kind of dumb, brutish, Neanderthal music, right? Yeah. But I feel like recently with bands like Scowl and bands like Soul Glow, yeah. we're getting hardcore that's uh, from a different perspective. It, it retains like elements of what like sort of defined hardcore in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's definitely, I feel like it's evolved in a way that is way more appealing to me, a person who was never a big fan of hardcore, who only liked a few bands. Sure. And for, for somebody like me, likes blending hardcore and ska together now i'm trying to just get these hardcore bands to start to incorporate some ska come on over to this side yeah so far we have uh, a very positive view of ska towards these new hardcore bands too which is a another thing they got going for them i'm gonna call it right now 2026 some of these bands are gonna have ska on their music 2026 (laughs) hey i'm just giving myself some runway okay it's gonna be 2020 So last year, uh, when you guys released uh, Diaspora Problems, I remember uh, seeing Jeff Rosenstock tweeting about how much he loved the record. And then um, your account, you guys tweeted that three cheers for disappointment changed your life. Yeah. Is that you that tweeted that? Uh, Yeah, that was me. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'd love to hear more about this. Yeah, tell us about that. Uh, I've just been fucking with Arrogant Sons of Bitches since I was like young as fuck. And... It was like a type of a formal introduction to like ska punk. Um, I just love dude shit. How old were you when you first started listening to Arrogant Sons of Bitches? 
Probably like 16, I would say. I just fucked with it. Like, kept listening to it to this day, honestly. Uh, three cheers for disappointment. Fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> what was the context of, of you discovering that record? Uh, did someone show it to you, or did you find it online somewhere? I think someone showed it to me. I don't remember, really. It's been a minute, you know? Did you see Arrogant Sons of Bitches live? I, I did when they played the Warsaw, when they reunited. I didn't get to catch them when they broke up. Gotcha. What do you remember about that show? I was drunk as fuck, and uh, <laughs> I don't remember like a lot. I remember that they covered Art is Hard by Cursive, which was fire, um, and it was a good-ass fucking time. Yeah, they just, they just killed it, came out, did an encore, show was lit. I was looking it up, and Jeff had, like, He's been a fan of you since before that record. I found this interview where he was talking about you guys in 2020, saying that um, you guys were recording at um, Jack Shirley's studio, Atomic Gardens. And then I think Jack was like showing him some stuff saying like, check this out. This band's amazing. What record did you record with uh, Jack? That was uh, We didn't record a record with uh, Jack, but we did have him mix one of our records. Oh, okay. Yeah, he mixed and mastered uh, Songs to Get at the Sun. Nice. Yeah, I, I didn't really know Jack before that. I was just interested in working with him because I fucked with his work. What were some of the Jack's records that you were kind of caught your attention? Like Comadre, like mm-hmm. yeah, that's his band. Yeah, yeah, just them in general, and um, the last record that he did with them sounded really good, and I just wanted, you know, I just wanted his help on it. You know, Jack was in a ska punk band. <laughs> I did not know that. He was in a ska punk band called Anti-45. That was the first time I met him. Holy shit. Crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Did you ever play in a ska punk band? Yeah, that was the first band that I ever played in. Oh, shit. What was that band called? Um, I forgot. DH. <laughs> did you forget or did it have a bad name that you don't want to say? Uh, both, I think. <laughs> but yeah, it was like a, it was like number or some shit. I don't know. Okay. But um yeah, it was like I played like trombone in it and shit. It was fun. Nice. Do you still have trombone chops at all? Probably not. Like probably a little bit. I could probably like annoy people with it a little bit. But <laughs> I'm saying just just do some shit, but like not really. I haven't played trombone since I don't know, since I was like probably like fifteen. 14 yeah did you play like high school band i did that's when i yeah first started playing trombone oh nice were there other options or was was somebody just like here's trombone go for it yeah pretty much it was like the only instrument that wasn't picked up by that time i didn't really (laughs) you know what i'm saying i had like tried out trumpet and i was like this shit is really hard yeah i guess i felt like i could i don't know i don't know why this shit looked it just looked cool, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure, yeah. I was, I did, uh, I did drums in high school band, and like, for some reason, I just, I was so fascinated with the trumpet, and occasionally I would talk one of the trumpet players into letting me try it, and it was just the whole situation where you had to get the lips right first was just, yeah, it was a hurdle I couldn't overcome, so I just, I gave up on it. Yeah, yeah, shit is hard. <laughs> and it like makes my lips feel all like fucking weird and shit so it was it it's 
it's a fun instrument, but I don't know. It just makes my lips feel weird. Now you start, did you start on drums? I was reading that your dad gave you uh, some percussion or drums when you were like a kid. Yeah. My, my dad, yeah, my dad's a percussionist. He gave me a drum when I was young. I tried to play it, but I just fucked around with it a little bit and then I stopped and eventually, you know, I was getting into Lincoln Park when I was a teen and my friends were playing music. So then I wanted to be a DJ. Mm. And then that didn't work out for me. And then my friend left a guitar at my crib. And so I picked that up. I was reading also that you were playing your guitar like a bass initially. (laughs) Yeah. Initially, I was doing that shit. And then, you know, I was just like, why the fuck not play a fucking guitar? Because I have one. (laughs) (laughs) Your dad was a percussionist. What, um, What kind of stuff did your dad do? Or did he did he play with groups? I'm not sure. I haven't really. I think he he probably like did a little bit. Um, I haven't really talked to him about it. Mm-hmm. But he just plays around at the crib. Like once salsa starts playing, he just gets on the fucking cajon or like mm-hmm. the cowbell, and he just starts singing and just banging on shit. <laughs> He's mad obnoxious with it, but it's chill. Like. There are many a nights where I tried to sleep, but he was still banging away. Damn. <laughs> he parties. <laughs> yeah, he parties pretty fucking hard. And he doesn't stop till it's like 4 a.m. Wow. <laughs> so uh, last year, um, Pierce, the singer of your band, and a bunch of other people did this Safali broken cover for two, min- two minutes to late night, I think it's called. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> I don't think you, you weren't involved with this, right? No, no, I I was not. But I'm just curious uh, if you also uh, were a fan of Folly, if this was like meaningful to you as well. Oh yeah, for sure. It's funny because when because Pe- uh, they had asked him to cover a song, and they had asked him to choose the song, and I forgot what song he couldn't do. I think it was Animosity. And then we were talking about it, and he asked me which song he should do. And I was like, do Broken by Folly. <laughs> and he was like, I, I didn't, I didn't really, uh, aside from suggesting that to him, I didn't have anything to do with it. Nice. Yeah, what's your experience with Folly? Were you able to see them back when they were kind of an active band? I did. I saw them a few times. Um, now, like when they reunited, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like. I guess started listening to them too late, but I caught a few reunion shows and I'm excited to play with them in May. Has that been announced yet? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing, they're playing adjacent fest in, in New Jersey. Okay. And we're going to be playing with them. Sick. Folly kind of came during a time when like Scott punk bands weren't really, there weren't very many of them. Yeah. And they also played it like so heavy. Like, <laughs> I don't think ska punk bands were playing that heavy before Folly. <laughs> it was no, not at all. Is that something you liked about Folly? Was that that element? Yeah, like my friend was trying to put me onto hardcore, and that's like one of the first hardcore bands that I got into. They're not like mm-hmm. hardcore, hardcore, but you know what I mean. Like heavy in that way, where they were, you know, doing breakdowns and shit. I'd say they're pretty hardcore. I mean, they're definitely like. hardcore, 20% ska. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Facts. Yeah. (laughs) It is really fun, though, being at one of their shows, and it goes from, like, 
people stage diving and windmilling to all of a sudden everybody's like, I mean, two stepping is like so close to skanking anyways. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny shit seeing their like, I think it's live at Hellfest video uh-huh. where there's just a bunch of like, like you said, you see people fucking windmilling and then all of a sudden they all change up with the, with the music. Yeah. It's sick. fucking psychotic. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so in that video, there was um, cap members of Cat by Gray Matter, Best of the Worst, Gaojo mm-hmm. Age, and Jer. Mm-hmm. I'm curious your opinions, thoughts about some of these new bands, new bands playing ska, ska punk. I mean, it's tight. I'm happy that they're doing it. I'm I'm excited for it. Honestly, I feel like ska shouldn't die. <laughs> I feel like. A lot of people try to kill it, but you know, it just keeps coming back with a vengeance and it, it will not, it will not leave. And I'm happy about that. Hell yeah. So Catbite is a Philly band like you guys, do you, have you guys uh, interacted or played together? I don't think we have. No. And I don't know too much about Catbite to be honest. I saw Tim and their guitar player on Instagram the other day, holding a copy of your record. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he got that and the new pumps record and he was showing them off. Fuck yeah, <laughs> uh, Jer. I've seen I've seen you go back and forth with them on uh, social media. Yeah, I also see a lot of people are always like uh, Jer uh, Soglo collab win. And then I think one time there was a comment that uh, you said it's uh, sooner than you think or something like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's definitely bound to happen. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I can't I can't really imagine us both existing within this period of time and uh for life to go on without us working together in some capacity hell yeah (laughs) i feel like it's it's bound to happen it's inevitable (laughs) (laughs) have you heard jared do do hardcore vocals um i don't think so there's a there's a cover of uh billy eilish that jared did and uh their vocals on that are they, they did like a breakdown at the end and it's it's super sick hell yeah yeah Fuck with Jer. Jer's <laughs> shit. They're awesome. Do you know when you started to see some of these new bands or artists coming about? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not sure. I'm sorry. I'm also really fucking hungover. So. Hey, no problem. What were you doing last night? Uh, I went out. I went to like this like Winterfest thing. It was real cute. I never really like went out to like Penn's Landing in Philly. Okay. Like that. And. Just like got drunk. What were you drinking? Went on a Ferris wheel. I was drinking uh, whiskey. <laughs> Just uh, went on a Ferris wheel. She was tight. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was scary, but it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Ferris wheels are always a little bit scary. Yeah, I felt like the the person who was who ran it was like not feeling it like they weren't they didn't want to be there so they just like let us go around like twice oh, fun. like you know because because when you're usually on a ferris wheel sometimes it just be stopping mm-hmm. like and you're just like at the top of it like scared at least i would be yeah <laughs> and uh the person who was operating it was just like just did like three loops and then it was like all right peace out, <laughs> <Get> out. <laughs> yeah i did that and then drank more <laughs> and then drink more. Yeah. No throwing up. Nah, hell no. All right. Yeah, whiskey's a risky game. It's a little hard. You 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 never know if it's going to hit you hard or hit you not that hard. Yeah, for sure. I know you also posted. Uh, I think it was in 2020. You posted about the um, Scoggins racism comp 
Um, and I, I you, uh, you were saying how, uh, you know, I don't know if you fuck with ska, but this goes hard. That to me, that was kind of like a, that was definitely a moment where I felt like bad time. And some of those bands were getting a little bit more attention word when that comp came out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bad time. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like stoked about the tour that that's happening with them. Oh yeah. That shit's cool as fuck. Are you going to go to one of the shows? I'm gonna try. Nice. Um, I'm gonna try to. Where Where are you living these days? I live in Philly. You still in Philly? All right. Cat bite. GG plus one. <laughs> <laughs> or just write Soul Glow on the on the guest list. I guess Cat bite. Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. So you opened for uh, My Chemical Romance yeah. last year. Indeed. What was that like? That 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 was pretty mind blowing for me to see that kind of that kind of take place. Absolutely fucking crazy. Out <laughs> of outer body experience. I, I was like not there. I was I don't know. My mind was in so many places emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um but definitely surreal. Um we were just kicking it like backstage and at one point uh Frank pulls up. And he was like, just talking to me like casually, and I'm like, bro, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, do you like? I don't know. It was fucking weird. Like, he was just like, he like remembered me from when we did that uh, that cover song, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then he was just like chopping it up with us a little bit, and he was like, I don't want to take like more of your time but if you could like sign this drum head for me because i have all the bands that i like sign it so that i can give to my children like i would appreciate it and i was like and we were just like are you fucking serious (laughs) (laughs) like of course dude like (laughs) just for clarification what what cover song were you talking about um we did an annie lennox song oh shit i believe we did uh walking on broken glass oh wow uh-huh. yeah so they reached out to you and just said hey like did they personally reach out to you and yeah. invite you to play the shows yeah wow i mean i was really stoked to see the the lineup of bands that they picked for openers because it was like it was kind of like they just like made a mixtape and were like oh these are all the bands we think are sick right now let's just ask all of them <laughs> Dude, like we got, I was asleep because like sometimes I tend to oversleep. So when we got the email, um, Pierce was worried because he hadn't heard from me and he thought like I died and that that was something that would happen and that we would never play the show. (laughs) (laughs) And as soon as I saw the text, I just started screaming and I was like, bro, I'm here and I'm alive and nothing's wrong. <laughs> Gave him a little scare for sure. Yeah, it was definitely, it was fucked up for, for all sure. of us. How big was the venue that that opened for them at? Like 10,000. Holy shit. Some shit like that. I, I saw footage of your set. I mean, it looked crazy to see you guys up on. A huge stage like that yeah it was insane <laughs> like uh, i was like out of it and in it at the same time there was there's really no I, I i can't describe it it was cool as fuck 
I, I had a good time. I had a good surreal time. What was it like looking out at that many faces looking back at you? Fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like looking at like a big ass like picture, like a big ass like 3D portrait. Like I was like, this isn't real. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like I can't. It's just always weird seeing, you know, seeing people in, from that perspective. Yeah. What sort of reaction did did Soul Glow get that night? Oh, no one was fucking with us. I don't think. I think that there was maybe like ten people out of ten thousand that were like, "Oh shit!" But most of the people looked like very bored, and they were look like, "Like who the fuck are these clowns? Like where's MCR? Like that's not Gerard." Like, yeah. <laughs> like I just felt like people like they didn't like boo us. Thank God, but like I felt like people were just like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty different vibe, but uh oh yeah. You know, and and a lot of people I think there's probably a certain percentage of the fans that it's it's about nostalgia for them. Mm-hmm. And for sure. You know, and you guys aren't part of that nostalgia, so it's kind of a tough situation. Yeah. It was cool. It was a it was fun. I had a great time. I feel like in last year um you know, from the time you released uh diaspora problems to the end of the year when they're doing um publications are doing like best albums of the year and stuff you got a lot of people supporting you you know a lot of people say how much they loved you was the my chemical romance open you know opening slot was that the the most was that the, was that the best sort of like cosign or did you get other ones that were kind of more amazing or more surprising honestly off top hung over as fuck right now I can only say that the MCR cosign was sick. And that was <laughs> the sickest one. I mean, you know, being on these like music publications was cool as fuck, but I can't really think about, you know, I can't think about anything else that I was, you know, really happy about as much as I was, you know, being with my chemical romance and playing with them. For sure. So, okay, we talked about that you played, your first band was a Scott Punk band. You played trombone. Yeah. I know that in 2012, you joined the band Gatherers. Yep. Was there anything before that, or was that the next band? I was just doing some, like, I was playing some music here and there before that, too. But nothing that I, like, fucking can immediately like recall and talk about okay so this is a band uh in uh in new jersey were you are you from new jersey or did you move there that's facts i'm from jersey (laughs) all right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i saw i so you were in that band from 2012 to 2015 i believe Mm -hmm. i was and the band i was reading an interview at the time and they were saying that uh, everybody kind of brings unique, you know, their own unique flavor to the band, and they said that you were the one that brought the punk to the band. I mean, I guess so. You were the, <laughs> were you a big punk fan? I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I got a choking V tattoo on me. Come on, bro. Oh, I thought I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> In your music video, when you're like laying on the bed, you have your arms folded. I thought that was a choking victim tattoo. Yep. Yes, sir. I'm out here. Yeah, I fuck with punk. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Mm-hmm. 
what was that time period like uh, in the early early 2010s in Jersey? What um, what other bands were you playing with, or what spaces were you playing? Oh, we were playing like basements with like you know emo bands predominantly. You know, just going on DIY tours. Uh, the biggest thing that we did was go on tour with Every Time I Die, mm. which was fucking sick. I didn't really like listen to Every Time I Die that much, but at that time, I still don't really, but they were <laughs> fucking cool. Yeah. Was there local bands that you uh, kind of played with and, you know, felt like uh, kinship with at the time? Dude, I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> I've been on... I've been doing a lot of shit. You feel me? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, my memory is fucking shot. My long term memory shit is like out. <laughs> As, especially now that I'm hungover too. Like, mm, I can't get it together. Short term memory still okay though. Yeah, it's chilling. Yeah, it's it's chill. All right. But no, I there was like some bands that were like we were fucking with a lot, like Prawn. Um, my friend's band, Arrows and Her, uh, Gifts, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Do you recall if there's any ska bands in, that, uh, in Jersey at that time? Fuck. In Jersey. Um, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I can't. Okay, so um, Pierce starts Soul Glow in like t- 2014. Yes. You're still in Gatherers and you're still in Jersey. Mm-hmm. You meet him. I think you also meet TJ as well while touring with Gatherers. Um, no. Mm-mm. I was, I met Pierce. Um, I met TJ a while ago um, at a show that they were playing in New York City. I went and I went to their gig after a protest. And we were chilling and we were kicking it. And I met Pierce when I was in a different band. When I was out of gatherers, I started another, I started a hardcore band. And then um, Pierce booked a show and that's how we met. Oh, okay. What was that hardcore band called? Uh, Weatherlore. Okay. So uh, what led you to uh, moving to Philly and uh, joining Soul Glow? Um, Well, I... At that show, at that first show that Pierce booked, Mm -hmm. I met Ruben there, and he wanted to start like an all-black punk band, and he wanted to jam with me, and I was like, all right, bet. And so later in life, when my band Weatherlord disbanded, I hit him up, and I was like, yo, dude, remember when you asked me to, you know, play some music with you? Are, like, are you still down to do that shit? And he was like, yeah, I'm down to jam with you. Actually, I think our basis is about to leave. So, you know, if you, you know, if, if we need, if you want to join this band, like I'm, I'll let you know soon or something. And then I was like, great. And then he hit me back up and he was like, yo, he's definitely leaving. And he was like, do you smoke weed? <laughs> and I was like, every day he was like, okay, do you want to go on tour? I was like, yes. And he was like, can you practice next week? I was like, absolutely. <laughs> and we had our first practice. He sent me songs. I learned the bass parts um, in these shitty like demo recordings. Some of them I learned by ears. Some of them I had to learn how to practice. 
uh, but I picked up the songs very quickly, and they were like, "All right, you're in." <laughs> <laughs> nice. What was the state of the band when you joined? Because initially, Pierce was recording these um, really like lo-fi, like short EPs. You know, it's kind of a di- a little bit of a different band in in a way than where you guys are now. Yeah. Um... They were, I, I don't know, like, where they recorded their shit. Mm-hmm. I, for, I, for, I forgot. I think they record. They were recorded it with a couple couple people at the spot called the Sex Dungeon. <laughs> and uh, and then we did one with our friend Cam, Cam Connor. And then I started recording the projects. Yeah. Did you already have a background in recording? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. I um I moved to Philly to join Soglo because I told them that I would eventually be moving to Philadelphia. And Pierce was living at the spot, at this warehouse spot, Big Mama's warehouse, and I was breaking up with somebody at the time or trying to separate myself from somebody, and they were like, dude, like we have an open room here. Like, pull up, stay here. And I did. And when I was there, that's when I started recording because my friend Evan and Chris had a recording studio in the warehouse and they let me utilize their resources and taught me some stuff on Pro Tools, taught me how to set up some microphones and I just kept doing it over and over again. And at the time and and at the time I was also teaching myself how to use Ableton um through YouTube videos. Okay. So, but so you didn't have to like go through the whole process of figuring out what gear works. There was already a studio there. Right. Nice. Right. It was just like, here it all is. <laughs> Play with it. Play with the shit. And I was like, I bet. Yeah. I'm curious about that because I feel like the, I, I noticed that your name was attached to the engineering of the, all the later stuff, including the diaspora problems. And I feel like the sonic quality of the records just kind of gets better and better. So I assume that it's been like a passion for you that to to record the band. Yeah, like I, I like doing it a little bit. Like recording, like it's chill. Like I don't love it, but I'll do it because I felt like I always had to, you know, be resourceful because we were broke at the time. And that's what that's what really got me started, like recording the band. Cause we didn't have any money to pay for shit, but we did have access to the studio. So it was like, duh, why the fuck not? You know? Yeah. And my friend Evan would help me along the way. So I'm like, we're like, why, why would we, you know, outsource if we can just do it ourselves? Any tricks that you've kind of learned through the years of how to best capture your sound? Cause you know, your music's loud and explosive, but you know, you, especially on diaspora problems, you really capture the dynamics of the music and really make it sound big while also, you know, having sort of a polished sound in a way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have any tricks. <laughs> just have like expensive ass fucking gear and just go for it. Sure. Expensive gears goes a little fucking <laughs> long way. <laughs> What's more important though, the gear or the performance? Uh, the performance. For sure. But like the gear helps obviously because then people could like differentiate the shit that's happening. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The best performance ever. You do it on a boom box. Yeah. Shit is Mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
So no tricks, no, no anything. Just, you know, have a cool friend with some cool shit or, you know, get to a good studio and rent it out or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you record the uh, basic tracks live or do you overdub everything? I overdub everything. Oh, yeah. Like, because I just didn't want to like, yeah. Like the way that I did this album was like me, like kind of like tempo mapping everything and warping the songs, which we would play them live, we would record them live. And then I would like shift the tempo of it. So the song would be faster or slower. And I would ask them like, is this how we want it to sound? And more often than not, they were like really fucking tired and <laughs> weren't like <laughs> too attentive. And they're like, whatever, dude, you just made us play this song <laughs> fucking five times. <laughs> and I get it. Cause the warehouse that we were doing it at was really fucking hot. There was no AC and it was summer, but yeah, we just, in regards to doing live shit, we just do it. We just do it like that. And then I find the tempo that, you know, feels good. And then we overdub everything. Are you finding that you're speeding stuff up or slowing stuff down? Um, it depends on like, yeah, you know, what's humanly possible for some people. And yeah, you know, sometimes I want to speed it up more, but sometimes we can't. So I don't know. We just try to find like a good balance. So you recorded in the summer of 2021? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So you, I, I remember you, you guys were kind of getting some buzz going in 20. 2021 what what was that like because i remember once the record came out in particular i felt like then it was kind of like really a lot of attention started to come your way that's my that was my perspective anyways Mm, 2021 yeah it was chill you know but at the same time like we were still like going through the pandemic yeah so it was hard to gauge like how much people actually gave a fuck about anything that we were doing <laughs> you know cuz it's like we're not playing to people we're just fucking making these silly little songs and you know just fucking around and trying to get our shit together trying to you know get some money so i don't know i wasn't really paying attention to like that shit at that time what was the state of the band before the pandemic were you guys oh we were like fucked up you know like we were just doing diy tours we were losing money not really doing like it was like it was fun for sure but it was hard you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i know how it is so it was chill though we, we did a lot we were doing a lot of cool shit but it was definitely hard my first band, my first like tour with Soglo was to South by Southwest because we were at, on a screamo showcase and we toured in like a family sedan, <laughs> like instruments, yeah. instruments like all over us. And I was like, and my knees were like, a, like about to give out just by sitting. <laughs> <laughs> what about amps and drums? We didn't, we just, we just borrowed gear and we just like put heads and like our instruments on our laps and like, you know, what little things that we could like all over us. <laughs> so, uh, and then, so during the pandemic, you and Pierce were, uh, you get, you guys became bike couriers to sort of get by. Yeah. I mean, when we, when I, Pierce was already a bike courier before the pandemic. And then once I started, when I, once I moved to Philly, that was like what I was doing. 
before the pandemic as well. And uh, yeah, we were just doing that shit. Were you able to do much band stuff for a while initially, or was that just on on pause for a while? Uh, no, we had like our bubble. You feel me? Yeah. Where we would just would chill with each other for the most part, and so we just kept writing music and recording shit. Mm-hmm. It was like I feel like for for those few months that like nobody could go outside, we didn't do shit. But then we started like you know being cautious and you know just started working with each other because you know if we didn't we would probably go mad and you know yeah 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 (laughs) like it was fucking hard you know so sure did any of you end up catching covid not i nice not i (laughs) i feel like maybe one of us did but (laughs) been dodging that shit yeah same hell yeah good shit we out here (laughs) i want to hear about your signing to epitaph oh yeah that shit was cool that shit was crazy we um i think jeremy sent like brett dripponomics and brett was like yeah fuck it (laughs) like let's do it (laughs) and we were like all right cool and then we just started like having conversations with them about the deal and whatever it was sick I mean, it was it wasn't sick. I mean, the the result was sick, but like the process of doing that was very like chaotic because we're like, are we actually going to do this shit? Like the fuck, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What w- what would be the reason not to do it? I don't know. Just because maybe it because it'll like it might put us in a I don't fucking I don't fucking know, <laughs> everyone everyone just had their own fucking feelings about it in some way or another, and I was just like, dude. Isn't this what we want to do? Like, fuck it. So it was um, signing to Epitaph meant that you were taking the band more seriously and that it was kind of a commitment in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that is kind of what like some people have reservations about in a way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's tough being uh, going for it as a musician right now. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you, you have a moment, you have an opportunity. You don't necessarily get to miss. Decide when your moment, your opportunity comes. I mean, lose yourself, Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> Mom's spaghetti. No. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> so on the on the Epitaph website, it was written on there that uh, the record uh, Diaspora Problems was conceived and recorded from 2016 to 2021. Does that feel fair or? I mean, I don't fuck it. Honestly. <laughs> I don't even know if I was in the band at that point. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe. I don't I don't know. That's a Pierce question, to be honest. Sure. <laughs> like I just we just were recording some songs and some songs we held on to and some songs we didn't. Mm-hmm. We did have like specific like for the with the songs that we held on to, we were like, okay, this is gonna go on an album eventually. But yeah, I don't fucking know. Yeah, because you, you put out a few EPs um before diaspora problems with it. Was that all kind of stuff happening at the same time? Uh, yeah, we put out songs, songs to eat, and then we just kept writing. And then I feel like, you know, Ruben and Pierce wanted to release new music. I don't really give a fuck. I was like, we don't have to, but okay. <laughs> so then we did it, and it was fun. And yeah, that's it, really. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I really love diaspora problems. I'm not even really a big, I'm not really big into hardcore 
Uh, but this record I heard it and I just was, was totally blown away by it. Yo, thank you. That means a lot. I think some of it, yeah, I think some of it's the dynamics, the, the diversity of the song songwriting in there. And I think just the, just the intensity of it, it's, um, it's explosive, but it's like, has, it's constructed as well. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we worked our asses off. You feel me? Yeah. She was hot. I was getting yelled at sometimes, you know what I'm saying? It was a time. Who was yelling at you? TJ was yelling at me. <laughs> Pierce wasn't really yelling at me, but getting frustrated. A lot of more frustrated frustration because I would make people like do shit like over and over again. Oh. And in TJ's circumstance, I understand why they would be like, they weren't yelling at me like angrily. They were like just pissed because they had to, they did like the, um, they had the worst of it because they had to keep performing in that hot ass warehouse um by themselves in that room with no ventil with barely any ventilation or um air conditioning and you know we couldn't put a fan next to him because yep. you know the mics would pick up the fan and it was it was some bullshit for them so yeah i think everyone had you know turns just being angry <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> not not necessarily at me but at the situation that we were putting each other through. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering about, I mean, on the recording, like recording vocals, like how much were you like having to like go over and over and over to like get the right. Yeah. A lot, a lot. We, we did that shit a lot. It was either like, I wasn't satisfied with the po- vocal performance at the time or, or Pierce wasn't, you know? Mm-hmm. So we would, I would just like, comp a bunch of shit over and over again until we felt like that was the one or the previous one was the one, you know what I'm saying? Mesh it together. I mean, just try to get, try to make the most perfect take. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How many takes do you, would you say on average, you know, you had TJ do, or you had somebody do for a song? Um, TJ, I don't, I don't know. I think TJ, can do it i think three takes mm-hmm. honestly um sometimes there's like some punch-ins but tj's got it tj's he's just good as fuck so punching punching drums not a problem no it's just easy yeah. just play the part just play the part and i'll punch you in you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah and then you were talking about tempo mapping like are you when you're mapping out these songs there's is there fluctuation in the click or yeah yeah the click is changing yeah like a lot in (laughs) in certain songs that's fun and they're and they're playing to that click change yeah (laughs) how much how much swearing did you get from tj over that oh quite a bit (laughs) you know it was it was so though i i get it you know it's frustrating when you're when you're doing shit like that yeah and you know i'm a pretty meticulous person so I was just like, do it again, do it again, do it again. But, you know, the things we do for fun. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Gold Chain Punk, the opening song on the record. Uh, That song, like, blows my mind. It's so good. The song is so intense, and then I feel like the way the chorus kind of leans back a little bit. Yeah. So strong. Um, Is that a more recent song that you guys wrote during the... The song songwriting session, or was it an older song? That was a song that we kept 
that Pierce was working on and we 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 made it and we played it. We had played it live I think like a couple of years before the song even came out. Mm. Um so there's like live sessions of it somewhere. But um that was one of the, the ones that we we kept and and knew that it was going to be for the album. Sure. Then the uh, I jump and jump or get jumped is another one that I really like. The video, I really love the video for that song. Thank you. Now, it's my understanding that you were watching the movie Whiplash. Yeah. Yeah, tell me the whole story about. Yeah, like I was just chilling with Pierce and that's usually how our ideas we li- Pierce and I live together. So, it's usually us getting drunk and talking about shit. So one day I was like, yo, dude, have you watched Whiplash? And he was like, no, I haven't. And I was like, let's watch it. And we watched it. And after that, we were like, how funny would it be if we just, you know, made this the music video? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, like when TJ first joined the band, they they weren't like playing that fast and they weren't blasting like they do, doing blast beats like that. So... It was. It's hard for them sometimes because you know their body has to get acclimated to the shit that we're asking them to play. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, some anyone who hasn't seen Whiplash, what was it about Whiplash that kind of led to the inspiration of this video? Like I said, we just keep telling Pierre. I mean, keep telling TJ to get the part, and they get pretty aggravated about it sometimes. <laughs> so we just thought, I guess it would we just thought it was fucking funny <laughs> yeah they said that um that it was let's see here um when you yeah when i joined the band we got together every night for a week and i basically had to learn the whole set in seven days and they kept saying you're doing a great job but it needs to be faster you're like 70 percent there they didn't take it easy <laughs> on me <laughs> oh sex we do be doing that <laughs> what type of what type of band did tj come from uh, they're playing, I think they played like in some maybe math ba- bands and they, the band that they're still in, um, they play like hardcore and screamo. Mm. I don't think it's, it was uh, nothing like too fast, but you know, more hardcore shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, this, uh, this 2017 interview with Pierce. He, uh, he described the band sound as uh, you know, soul glow sound as, Essentially, our music is the sound of the yelling and cussing in our heads as we feel the various microaggressions of our lives. I was curious your take on the band's sound and the emotion of the band. Well, we do pretty much whatever the fuck we want to do <laughs> because we need to get it the fuck out of us. Yeah. <laughs> because we live this life every single day and it sucks. So. We try really hard to not leave anything on the table and or off the table, whatever the fuck. Um, so yeah, we just do whatever the fuck we want. Better out than in. I mean <laughs> on some strike shit, yes. That is how that's how we be doing shit. <laughs> so stylistically, uh influences can come from any direction too, right? Yep. So what's up with Soul Glow playing some ska? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe in time that will happen. People be people be saying that we do have a Scott song, and I was like, okay, I guess so. Yeah, I I, I listen. They're talking about Thumbsucker, 
because it has yes. horns. And I, I don't I don't hear the ska. Horns doesn't make it ska. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so everybody, Solglow does not yet have a ska song. They will though, and it's gonna sound like choking victim. <laughs> maybe. Maybe one day. Who knows? <laughs> Tell me about the decision to put horns on that song. Uh that was for that song specifically, that was an idea that Ruben had that I, you know, then arranged for, you know, our friends to play. Because hmm. Ruben was like, I hear horns, I hear horns. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's add these horns. <laughs> um, hit up a few homies, was like, just kind of follow the fucking, the song. And then they did. And then I, you know, arranged the harmonies and it sounds good. I think so. Yeah. Looking at the liner notes, I see that there's a person named Dave Heck on trombone. Yes. But it does not yes. say Gigi on trombone. No. Why not? I did not play trombone. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have the chops. No, 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 I did not. Absolutely not. That is of the past. I have, it's not like riding a bike. I can't do that anymore. I don't think. I think it would, it would not have sounded as good as, you know, sure, yeah. a professional like Dave could do it. So um, the record we're talking about being recorded in the summer of 2021 in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. How long? How long would you say it took from like start to finish to get this record recorded and mixed and edited and everything? Mm-hmm. Four months. Four months. Yeah, probably like four months. Um, I think. I think a good chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah, I think after the back and forth, it was like four months. The record was pretty much done after like the month and a half, but then I basically took three weeks of like editing the record to the point in which I thought was um, enjoyable for me. <laughs> did you um, did you have them come in and do more overdubs after you'd spent some time with it? No, we were done. I just like did like a bunch of like little like um, production tweaks here and there, just adding like you know, wind chimes and adding like more electronic stuff and just like the whole like noisy sections of the song was kind of just, uh, you know, moving them and, and getting them to where I felt like it would be, you know, like I just felt like where it could, you know, add, um, just, just adding shit to it basically. Yeah. One thing I've noticed, and this is a similarity between, the, the the large umbrella of hardcore and ska is that mm-hmm. bands now are taking a lot more time and effort to record records and to like really get the the sound where they want them for the sake of the record. Yeah. I feel like both genres historically have you know viewed the recording process more as a like get this out so we can sell it on the road and let's focus on the live show. But right. You guys are a great example because the record sounds really good. And uh, I think a lot of the new ska bands are doing the same thing. They're, they're really focusing on putting that effort into recording. Mm-hmm. Has that always been the case for Soul Glow ever since you got involved with doing the recording? Yes, sometimes. <laughs> it depends on what gear that I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like in the, in the EPs, the, uh, I think the, the way that it sounds is isn't as polished because of the gear that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm still like trying to 
add as much as I can so that and and do stuff dynamically to the tracks so they can sound um so so they can sound good. All right, so you talked about you haven't you've dodged COVID. Yep. Unkillable. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a tweet that you had sent at someone point that said that the best way to not get COVID on tour is to bring your own mics. Yeah. That's a, that's one way, you know. <laughs> so that's the soul glow method is bring your own mics. Uh, I don't I, <laughs> not I don't bring my own mic cuz I'm fucking well, I'm, I'm with the fucking I'm in like you know what I'm saying? Like they're all br- like everyone's breathing on me. <laughs> like <laughs> Right. Like I'm in front of a bunch of fucking people and they're all breathing on me. However, I do think that bringing your own mic is definitely a good way to, you know, reduce your exposure to COVID. Sure. And even just other anything like i used to get so sick on on little tours yeah like just using club mics not thinking about it so glad i bring a mic now i wish i would have done it a long time ago i started doing that but then i lost one and so i'm like i'm gonna just lose this again because it's like i have so much gear that i have to bring to each show that it's like you know i I can't i don't even want to think about the another small piece of gear that i have to bring (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how much gear are you bringing what what are you bringing i bring a laptop i bring the the push i bring a tabletop and a stand and what's the push the ableton push it's the thing that i use to uh to to play samples live gotcha um yeah and you know the the whole guitar rig and stuff like that it's just a bunch of shit pedals it wasn't always like this you yeah. know but <laughs> <laughs> you're playing bass and you're doing the triggers at the same time. Yeah, I've done that before. I'm playing guitar now, but yeah, I've done that. Oh yeah, that's right. You're playing guitar now. Yeah. Yeah, I have done that. And I and I play guitar and do the triggers as well at the same time. I'm trying to get into utilizing my foot to trigger samples now yeah. as a pedal. I think that would be a fun idea. So that I could just be like playing something really fast and then all of a sudden you can hear like an air horn or like whatever the fuck yeah has anything ever gone drastically wrong with all that stuff on stage uh yeah well let's hear it sometimes people sometimes people get too crazy and just bump into it and shit and then i'm just like wow is my laptop gonna break and usually it makes it um my 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 ableton push is like taped together at this point because of how many falls it's taken I passed out at a show recently, and uh, I fell on top of my shit. Oh, jeez. But uh, it all survived. Why'd you pass out? I had a seizure. Oh, shit. Overexhaustion. I was overexhausted. That's scary. Yeah, it was fucked up, but I survived. (laughs) Unstoppable. (laughs) (laughs) COVID didn't get you. There's nothing to get you. I mean, exactly. I'm I'm just... Got to drink more water. <laughs> it is important. We don't. We do need to drink more water. You should drink more water today, man. You got. You got yourself a glass before we started the interview. I did. How much? How much of that water have you killed? I killed it all. Good. Don't go anywhere. If you want to hear the rest of this conversation, head over to our Patreon. Thank you for listening to In Defense of Scott. Please rate and review this podcast and tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at In Defense of Scott. 
Pick up Aaron's book, In Defense of Ska, at your local bookstore or online. This podcast is edited by Chris Reeves of Ska Punk International. This is your co-host, Adam Davis of Omnigon, leaving you by saying Ska now more than ever. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.